Welcome to another edition of the Litigation Psychology Podcast brought to you by Courtroom Sciences. I am Dr. Bill Kanaski, and uh, we have a great guest today, uh, trial attorney uh, out of Fort Worth, Cody Gamora. Cody, how are you today? I'm good, Bill. Thanks for having me. Um, well, I'm, I'm happy to have you because um, I, I like to have I like to have guests on, and uh, I like to have guests uh, with interesting backgrounds and and perspectives, and and, and I think uh, you're going to pro- provide us some of that because I think you have, I think you have a very uh, interesting uh, uh, background, and you're down in the uh, uh, Fort Fort Worth, uh, uh, Texas, uh, do a lot of work. In, um, in in that area now it sounds uh, b- based on uh, you know, what I've read about you it sounds like you're a you're pretty much a Texas guy right I mean that's I am yeah yeah born and raised in North Texas wow so that's um that's uh, yeah everything's big in Texas right yeah yeah was just, it, was well, it George yeah. was it George Bush that said don't mess with Texas <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think everybody says that now. So we got signs yeah. up on the highway as you come in. So yeah, and courtroom sciences headquarters is in North Texas. So there's a lot of Texas stuff going on. I just happen to be in the Orlando, Florida office because that's that. I'm a Florida guy. You're a Texas guy, but uh, I would argue the two best states in America right now. But let's uh, let's not go down that road, right? Because then we'll then we'll open up some cans of worms. Right. Um, well, again, thank you for um, coming on the show. I uh, kind of met you through it via LinkedIn. I, I, I like some of your posts um, on LinkedIn. And one of the topics that uh, has come up a lot, I've seen a lot on LinkedIn. Uh, I haven't seen too much like formal, like written, you know, papers um, um, on the topic, but kind of like the generational differences um, between attorneys. Again, whether they're plaintiff attorneys or defense attorneys, it's probably the same thing. Um, and how you have this overlap, right? And and generations collide. Um, one of the uh, old jokes uh, that I find hilarious, and the joke goes, uh, do you know why grandchildren and grandparents get along so well? Like, for example, I mean, I was best, I, I was best friends with my grandparents, right? So grandparents and grandchildren get along really, really well. Do you want to know why? They both have a common enemy. <laughs> that right? makes sense yeah. and so you see this like generational if you're if you bump up against to another generation you tend to collide but then you get the skipping effect sometimes so i think it's interesting but pr- prior to becoming a trial attorney can you walk our audience uh through your background because i find this I, I i find this uh uh fascinating and i love the question i always ask trial attorneys like how did you get here like where did it start because it and, and the ones that come on the show and tell me, like, I wanted to be a trial attorney when I was in the fifth grade. I'm like, get out of here. No, you didn't. It's not, no. And if you did, there's something wrong with you. There's typically a little bit more of a jagged path to from point A to point B. But kind of tell us, you know, when you're growing up, what you wanted to be and kind of how you got started and how you ended up here, Cody. Yeah, so I did not want to be a trial attorney when I was in fifth grade. Good, um, good. You that know, means you're normal. <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got a pretty long life story, a uh, humble background, and everything. But essentially, it amounted to me uh, wanting to be a cop growing up. Uh, I never thought I was going to go to college or anything, but I wanted to be a cop because I wanted to help people, uh, and uh, I didn't like bullies. So, um, you know, I wanted to uh, 
to drive fast and catch people that were doing bad things to, to society. And, um, and so I, I, I never really lost that, but I did, you know, uh, I was, uh, poked and prodded to go to college when I was in high school, I had pretty good grades. So I, I went to college and, um, ever since I thought about going to college, I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, so that was going to be the next step for me after college. And that's what I did. Um, but I never lost the itch to want to be a police officer. And so while I was in college, um, I'd flirted with the idea of, um, you know, going to the FBI or uh, CIA or DEA. A DEA was going to be number one on my list. Um, but I grew up wanting to be a street cop. So I, uh, I wound up going um, to the Arlington Police Department. I, I was really impressed. Uh, they have their own academy. I was really impressed with their training regimen. They basically double the amount of uh, in-service training that officers do every year, had a pretty good SWAT team, and I wanted to work around the stadiums. Um, so I did that for about four years until my back doctor told me I wasn't going to last 20 years. Um, so, uh, um, but I actually went to, I went to law school first and then the academy. I did not take the bar exam right out of law school. I made the mistake of taking the bar exam in 2020, about the worst year to choose to take the bar exam. So yes. I got to, uh, yeah. I got to take one of the online bar exams. I got to take the very last Texas bar exam because Texas had switched to the uniform bar exam after that. But, um, passed it the first time and went to the DA's office after that, um, here in Fort Worth and, um, did that for about a year and, uh, was given an opportunity to work, um, at a civil defense firm in Dallas, um, and, uh, and I did that for uh, about another year, um, you know, still had the itch for criminal law and I wanted more courtroom experience. Um, I got a lot of it at the DA's office, but then, uh, you know, started doing criminal defense in, in Fort Worth. And now I'm in a transition period back to doing a, that civil defense work. I got all the, got some courtroom experience and, uh, you know, I'm ready to go. Yeah. Now listen, Cody, um, some of the best trial attorneys I've ever seen in my life. I mean, men and women that are just bad ass in a courtroom, nine out of 10 of those I've seen come from, they, they have strong criminal experience and they tried cases all the time. And I mean, every week they were in front of juries. Um, I think that's really um, priceless. And I see, I see other attorneys, um, primarily defense attorneys, in your age group that just don't have that experience and so you may be the same age right but um that criminal experience i i think is so important can you talk a little bit about that about um being in the courtroom frequent frequently um you know what you learned being in a courtroom so early and so often particularly when the stakes uh, like, you know, on civil litigation, it's how much money your clients pay, you know, criminal lit, yeah, criminal, it's, it's, it's your ass on the line, or it's your client's ass on the line. Can you talk about your experience with that, and how it's uh, helped you to mature uh, and grow as as a trial attorney overall? Yeah, yeah. So when when I went to the DA's office, um, you know, I was like, man, I've, I've chased down murder suspects, I've driven fast, I've done all the stuff. Um, you can do as a cop to to be able to say like you know stress is no thing yeah. um, and I got to uh, be the guinea pig for the first jury trial in Fort Worth right after COVID and it was like right after I started at the DA's office I showed up 
um, my first Thursday on the job, they're like, Hey, you're in trail on Monday. I was like, okay, cool. What am I doing? <laughs> and I, I got to trial and, um, it was a very good, uh, criminal defense attorney I was going with and he mopped the floor with us. Like in the, my, the main thing I noticed is he was so comfortable in the courtroom. I was like, that guy's been in the courtroom a lot. Yeah. Um, and so one of the thing, you know, I'm still a new attorney. Like I've only been licensed for three years, but one of the things I always tell people who are just starting out is like, you've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable and that it's level hard. of uncomfort is going to go away. I mean, it's a stress, it's a stressful environment. Um, right. And there's really no, um, you know, you, you, the, the, the margin of error, right. Uh, is pretty low. Um, and the fact that you got in there and noticed, um, and also I think, and if you talk to Dr. Steve Wood, um, who co-hosts this podcast oftentimes and, um, has several guests on him. So he, he does a lot of, uh, he's done a lot of research in his career on attorney credibility. And, you know, one of these things that pops up is, you know, you have an a, attorney that looks comfortable, right? And, and how can you talk about how being comfortable leads to perceptions of your confidence and how that kind of transcends into your ability to do voir dire and jury selection uh, in a very effective way, then go on to your opening statement and about how important that is because if if you don't appear comfortable it's going to be really hard to perform in front of a jury and come across as effective right yeah well obviously part of that's going to be like knowing your case and knowing what yeah. you what you want in a jury going in like before you go to trial and um you know the more comfortable you look the easier it is for <laughs> the jury to look at you and say you know that attorney believes what they're selling and if they don't think that's that you believe what you're selling there you're gonna lose your credibility i think that's it right there and it's in fact that's the number one thing when that and there's no rank order one of the top things i teach witnesses is you have got to own your conduct you've got to own it and you've got to believe yeah. in what you did and this is the tricky part you got to believe in what you didn't do because that's what wins over a jury because if you're wishy-washy on something it's just it's just, it's just, it's just not going to work. So, well, I find that, uh, so how long were you an actual police officer? Uh, four years. And did you do some of that stadium work being a copper on the stadiums? I did my last two years in Arlington. I was actually in the entertainment district and tourism unit. So I went straight to the unit. That, that was my goal was to work around the stadiums and the hotels. And I went straight there. Okay. T tell me your craziest, like you had to like bust up a couple of like tailgating, just crazy stuff going on. I mean, like, oh my gosh! Like you yeah. have to like give like give me something juicy for the audience, where yeah, you know, I'm I'm sure because I mean I've been to Cowboy Stadium, right? I mean I, I've been the tailgating around there. I see some, I've seen some crazy stuff. I'm sure you've seen something kind of nuts, right? Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, like I've responded to shooting calls and stuff. But what what used to kill me is most of the fight calls that I seemed like I, I was responding to were Dallas Cowboys fans fighting each other other i'm like why aren't you fighting the eagles fans or the giants fans like why are you fighting each other <laughs> but the biggest one i ever responded to and like the baseball games are usually pretty tame biggest one i ever responded to was it was like 13 15 family members extended family and all that they hated each other and they all just happened to be at opening day for the rangers uh, back in 20 
No, it was 2019. I think it was 2019 because oh. it, it was probably pre-COVID. Um, but they, uh, yeah, they got into this huge brawl and like, I want to say like six to eight people had to go to jail and they're all family members. And so we had to transport them in different cars and stuff. And it took a you long know, time to sort that out. Yeah. You know, thank, thankfully during the holidays, uh, my, my, my family is not uh, like that, but yeah, I could, I could imagine that's pretty, uh, that's pretty, uh, that is nuts. A family member, but the, the, I, I think what you said, uh, Cowboys fans fighting each other. I could, I could totally see that. You know, you go to Philadelphia. Uh, I I grew up outside of the Philadelphia uh, area when I was young, and um, I, they're the they're, I mean they're they're the most aggressive, just worst people in, in, on the planet, <laughs> and and they tend to beat up all the visiting fans, right? So you would think in Dallas you would maybe get something similar, but no, the Dallas Cowboy fans seem to. I think it's the frustration. Of the last twenty five years, just not being able. Oh, to it's got to be job is what I think. So I, I could see some rationale behind the Cowboys fans, um, beating up on each other. And uh, uh, as we approach the NFL playoffs here, we'll we'll see if they beat each other uh, up some more. Uh, something that you posted on uh, LinkedIn that kind of uh, got this whole thing going was um, talking to jurors at trial. Um, particularly during jury selection, um, to really define because I, I think you, something what you said on LinkedIn, I was like, yeah, this this guy's got it going on. Like everybody knows who the plaintiff attorney is and what they do. Like everybody knows. Right. All you got to do is go drive down your local interstate and see all the billboards or turn on your TV. I mean, everybody knows. No one's really sure what the defense attorney does. Now, maybe in criminal they do. Maybe that's obvious, right? You're trying to keep your client out of jail, right? And I think because some of the TV, starting with the OJ trial, right? People have figured out what the criminal defense attorney does. The criminal civil attorney, um, never really well defined in the media or in TV shows or, or movies. And you brought up that you think that's important to educate them on that. And I, I, I completely agree and think that's fascinating. Uh, t tell me your thoughts on that um, and, and why that's important to you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of jurors, you know, they probably go in thinking that, well, the defense attorneys, you know, the insurance company probably hired them or, uh, or they may not even know that they just um, on the civil or criminal side. Um, I think many jurors have a preconceived notion that the defense attorney, you know, they're just, not guilty for for pay like uh, somebody just paying them so the client can get off scot-free and the defendant doesn't have to face liability um and like i've asked jurors point blank you know what do you think my role is and and they will tell you like uh, yeah. well your job's to make sure he gets a not guilty yeah and which isn't true um you know and I, i've always said to to people who want to be good at uh, lawyering or anything um, like you want to run a marathon or you want to win cases, like your job is not to, um, run a marathon. Your job is to be a runner. Yeah. Uh, and that should be the goal is to be a runner. And your goal is to be a good lawyer. Um, and, you know, I think we need to do a better job of selling to the jury and letting them know our job is not to win this case. Our job is to make sure that, um, it reaches a reasonable conclusion, uh, whether or not that, you know, we're going to say, yeah, we're liable, but they're asking for too much or, you know, this isn't our fault. 
Yeah. And, and if anything, if anything on some of these um, movies, typically movies or Netflix, or go back to Aaron Brockovich, I mean, have you seen how the civil defense attorneys are portrayed in movies? Oh, it's terrible. Um, it's the big, some, bad corporation. Big, bad corporation, particularly uh, some of the shows I've seen based on like the pharmaceutical industry, right? And some of the opioid. It's like, God, if you're a civil defense attorney, you're, you know, you're this shadowy figure, you know, walking around with a briefcase full of cash, paying people off and uh, being extraordinarily unreasonable. And, and those movies and those those TV shows, you know, they make the plaintiff attorney out to be, you know, the the hero. So I, I do think it's important uh, for defense counsel, which, by the way, I, I really never seen. And by the and you're the, and you came up with this. Your credit, I mean, all credit to you. I, I've never, I've never seen or heard that question asked by a defense counsel. Like, what do you think I'm doing here, right? Well, I think that's yeah. important because uh, I think there's some assumptions that the jury knows everything about, right? That you know who you are uh, and what you're trying to do. So I think that point's fascinating and, and a good uh, something good for. Um, attorneys going forward, defense attorneys, to maybe work into their voir dire and to get that discussion uh, going. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, depending on what the jurisdiction is, what court you're in, yeah. like you may have, you may have a, a very quick jury selection process, like 30, yeah. 45 minutes at the most. And so that's something I, yeah. I like to throw out there at the beginning. And um, some attorneys will phrase it like they'll have their PowerPoint slide up and they'll phrase it. Um, uh, like I, I know of an attorney who does like a fear list where they're, they're like, they put on the the slide, like um, they fear that the jurors are going to resent the job that we do. And I don't like to do that. Um, I like to see where the jurors mindsets are at so I can let them know right off the bat. Um, you know, I hear what you're saying, but that's not my job. My job is to make sure that, you know, my client gets a reasonable outcome in a fair trial. Absolutely. Um... Now let's let's talk about, um, and you've seen this. You've been part of it. I've been part of it in my career. Um, unfortunately, I'm transitioning into the, you know, upper tier of the old guy. Uh, just crossed over that threshold, turning fifty. Um, but generational differences, um, you know, b between lawyers and different different skill sets. So yeah, you know, one of one of one of the most obvious things, um, I give a lot of speeches on proper construction of opening statements and and, and juror cognition and how to reach the 2023, 2024 right juror. And what like what I see when I consult um when I give one of these speeches or if I consult an actual case where I'm working with an older attorney, say somebody that's, you know, in their 60s they've been doing this for 30 years right 35 years is you know, you know they, they want to do the things that they learned 30 years ago with today's jurors and the jurors have now you know now we're on like the third generation of of jurors you know you got you know the word generations obviously out the it's the end of the baby boomers you got gen x gen y flooding things and you got z behind them coming in strong a lot's changed and I noticed that the um, more veteran attorney struggled to adjust, right? Because that one hour opening statement, okay, was fantastic in 1983. It was. 
because jurors had a very different ex- attention span in 1983, right? And then you do that in 2023, and these jurors check out mentally in 10 minutes if you don't hook them and keep them in, and they, they can't they 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 can't sit there for an hour. They don't have the patience and on the attention span. And then, so that's a part of it is is generational differences from attorney to jury, but there's also in house, right, in the law firm, uh, or in in the in the corporate legal department, uh, various generational gaps on the same on the same team, and a lot of head bumping going. On. I remember when I first got the courtroom sciences, I was the youngest guy there. And these older guys were trying to push me down and they didn't like any of my ideas. And when I tried to sell those ideas, I was getting the, you don't know what you're talking about, right? And there was this immediate resistance and it obviously ended up okay. Well, in some areas it didn't end up okay, but in most areas it ended up okay. But I think that's a struggle um, that you've seen and been through. And I think it's probably pretty common uh, at law firms, uh, talk, talk to me about your thoughts on generational differences uh, between attorneys, you know, working at the same firm or, or or in the same office space. Yeah, so I mean, I, I've seen some attorneys who have been practicing 20, 30 years. They're adaptable, um, yeah. especially with technology. Um, and that's a big thing too. Like if you're an attorney going into a courtroom you've never been before, you got to know how, what their how their technology yeah. works. Um, technology is a big thing but just um you know changes in the law but changes in the jury mindset like some of these attorneys that have been practicing since before social media was invented um or since like google was a thing like um jurors minds are open to the world but they're also very short like some jurors can't even scroll through one social media platform for more than two or three minutes before having to switch to the next one so you gotta you gotta catch their attention and catch it quick um and um, and that that's something I, I started doing too. Just uh, I'm I'm not big on social media and, uh, myself, um, but I did start watching reels and stuff. And like it it can get addictive, but it also sometimes it'll give you ideas on you know if I phrase it this way, that's gonna click with something that's going around on social media nowadays. And they they might they might start to like me just because hey, you know, I just quoted their favorite YouTuber. <laughs> I I listen I I have been very anti social media. From a posting perspective, I don't, when it first came, yeah, like I had a Twitter account, I mean, and I'd be like, this is back in the day, right? This is like 10 years ago and I'd, or whatever. I'd be, you know, watching a college football game, you know, uh, you know, drinking beer and, you know, posting, you know, God, these refs effing suck right yeah stuff like that which is not going to do anybody any good uh but i you know in in, in being a litigation consultant, I, i've seen a lot of social media posts you know pop up in litigation of you know my witnesses saying and doing dumb dumb shit really dumb shit on social media so I'm, i've been very anti-social media and i think it's ruined our society in many ways that being said i am an advert i'm a very avid observer of social media because i want to i want to learn i want to learn right and whether that being tiktok or instagram those are two that um i'll be uh also uh x formerly known as twitter i'll go through those every day and part of that part of that is for me um to learn 
because there are certain topics I like to listen to and I like to learn things, whether it be a fitness topic or a history topic or a music topic, right? But a lot, a, a lot of attorneys, a lot of plaintiff attorneys are on TikTok. Like, given uh, I like to keep an eye on them, right? But it also forces you to know. Okay, here's how young people are getting their information every day. Yeah. And so if I can learn how they're perceiving information, I can learn something about that. So when I am working with a witness or with an attorney, I can use that to in my consulting skills because I know how a jury processes information and I know, you know, you know, speaking of social media of 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 of, of what they like, what they don't like, how long something is, how um, how short something is. So I, 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 I actually think that that's something important. Uh, it's okay. To, I think it's okay to be anti-social media from a posting perspective, but I think if you're an attorney, um, you, you kind of, I think, I think it's wise. I think it, whether a plaintiff or a defense attorney, I think it's wise to keep an eye on it to kind of learn what other people are doing what younger people are doing. And also, by the way, it's not just younger people. You have older people learning how to use TikTok, right? Learning yeah, how to use TikTok. That's your entire jury pool. That's your entire jury pool. So I used to be like anti-social media. But if, if, if you're anti-social media, now you don't know how it works. And you don't see the, hey, wow, you know, every video on TikTok is really 60 to... 120 seconds, right? I mean, like knowing that shows you how people process information. And I think there's um, there's some benefit there. And have you adjusted your style, you know, based on, you know, what you've seen in social media? Because like I mentioned before, you know, that one hour opening statement is not, is not going to cut it. And I, I'm telling attorneys now, and I, telling a guy like you is typically not a problem, but telling the veteran attorney that le the less is more approach is highly effective. They really struggle with that. What are your thoughts on that? And have you seen that inter office with other attorneys like, oh no, I, I learned it one way, I'm gonna keep it that way. And that can really backfire on you. Yeah, and I mean, sometimes it, it still works, but to me, you know, it's rare. Um, you know, I don't like using a checklist for a case that, yeah. Uh, analyze a case that was developed, you know, 20 or 30 years ago. Um, I think every attorney needs to know social media just because that's going to be a heavy part of discovery nowadays. Plaintiff's attorneys are always going to want to know, was that truck driver on Facebook or mm -hmm. Instagram or anything at the time? Um, but yeah, that that's something I, I've seen where some yeah. attorneys will treat a certain <laughs> type of case a certain way, and they're only going to prep for it this exact same way every single time. And yeah. no matter, you know, what the elements of the the jury charger is going to be or what the case is like that's a different person those are different yeah. people different investigators different everything it's a different case yeah. um and some attorneys will do the exact same uh um you know uh, i mean i'm from texas so i say voir dire um but uh they'll 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 <laughs> still they'll do the same jury selection presentation and powerpoint yeah. for every single case just change a few facts and um you know that doesn't work anymore yeah, things things change, things change, and if you're able to adjust, um, I think good things are going to happen. If you fail to adjust, I, I think not only are you doing a your client a disservice, um, but it's um, 
I, I think it's short-sighted. I, I think there's, I think you can always learn in life. You know, I, I just turned 50 and I'm, I'm still learning. I'm an avid learner. Number one thing I like to do is learn. So I spend, if I have any free time, I'm out there reading something that, to get better in some area uh, of my life. And I think uh, trial tactics um, uh, is, 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 is the same way. I think the problem uh, and something that you circumvented uh, because of your experience is um, for people in uh, your age bracket as, as a relatively younger uh, defense attorney, the courtroom experiences are few and far between. And so um, younger attorney. So I guess, yeah, I, I guess my next question to you is um, what, uh, and I love asking these, this question and I love having younger people on uh, based on what you've been through, you know, what you've seen, uh, we've all made mistakes. I think, mis I think making mistakes while terribly painful at times is the absolute best way to grow and learn possible. Right. Can you talk about, maybe some of the slips you've had, you know, professionally and how you overcame them and kind of the God, I, gee, I wish I would have known that, right. To help, you know, cause I'd like to give guidance to younger or middle aged attorneys that are anxious. They want to grow. They want to get promoted. They want to become partner. You've been through a lot of this stuff. I'm sure there's been some pitfalls. I'm sure there's been some successes kind of tell us kind of, what you learned and, and if you were going to advise somebody say that's just coming in right maybe they're a year in or two years in and they're looking to you for mentorship what, what's some of the, like the pointers maybe you'd, you'd give them based on what you've been through yeah well i mean the, the first thing i'd tell them and this is, isn't just with lawyering uh um it's not an official statistic or anything but i think like 80 percent of being good at anything is learning how to deal with people yeah. Um, yeah. knowing how to talk to people and um, you know, I was a police officer for four years. I was talking to people sure. numerous times a day, strangers, um, having to carry on conversations, um, having some very uncomfortable conversations with them. And, um, so that'd be one thing I'd tell them is like, you gotta, you gotta learn how to deal with people. And part of that is like, when you get a new case assigned to you or something, um, pick up the phone and call the plaintiff's attorney, let them know that they're on your radar and you're going to work that case uh, starting from the time that you get the lawsuit. And, um, you know, sometimes you'll kind of find out what their strategy is and where their mindset is just by a quick, you know, five to 10 minute phone call. Um, but just learning how to deal with people and talk to people that that's big. And uh, you got to be proactive in that. Now, did you um, now one of my struggles, I have no problem talking about this, is I really lacked mentorship. I was kind of a, ahead of my time and I, I, I did, I kind of had to learn things the hard way. Uh, again, it's a great way to learn. Uh, it's also the most painful way to learn. Um, and if I would have had some mentorship, I think I would have uh, not stepped on some of those uh, landmines. Um, do you think younger attorneys, um, should seek out membership uh mentorship I, I i think it's something that's missing um i would prefer defense firms kind of have that kind of hardwired into their system a lot of them don't right it's all billable hour billable hour billable hour yeah. i think mentorship is something that's just desperately lacking uh in the industry on the defense side see plaintiffs 
plan of attorneys. Oh, no, 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 no. Lots of mentorship because they know how important it is and they're not on a billable hour. I, I see a big, big gap here. What are, what are your thoughts on mentorship and, and how to get it? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's probably been one of the biggest mistakes um, I've made in my career is not seeking mentorship. I think there are opportunities for it, but you know, you're right. Part of the part of the issue with civil def on the civil defense side is you know um, every attorney's busy trying to get those billable hours and everything, yeah. and so uh, they're I think they're less likely to uh, give the time than the plaintiffs are. But there are plenty of attorneys out there who are, are willing to mentor and. Uh, you know, I think uh, I, I haven't done a good job in the past, but uh, young lawyers just don't do a good job in general of uh, seeking mentorships and local bar associations. Yeah. You know, uh, just go to go to some of those and you're, you'll find you'll have somebody walk up to you wanting to mentor you just to uh, make sure that, um, you know, their area of the bar, the local bar is strengthened every every single day. And um, so that that'd be another piece of advice I'd if too is um if you don't have a mentor start going to local bar events young yeah. lawyer events and things like that ask ask for it number one and number two i i don't think it needs to be one person per se i think you can receive mentorship from multiple attorneys whether it be someone in-house or somebody at the local uh, bar association or somebody that you meet at a conference i think is uh um a big deal so uh younger attorneys uh, I think it's really important. Uh, now, here's the problem. You have this, again, kind of newer generation of attorneys. Um, and boy, they get a lot of they get a lot of heat. They get criticized a lot. They get criticized a lot because of the whole work life balance thing. You know, they want the corner office after three years of experience. They want to go home at 501. They're not working on weekend. Right. They They, they take a beating. But the other thing, if I'm part of that, is kind of like this fierce independence of, I don't need to listen to anybody, you know, I don't, I don't need mentorship, right? Um, I think that's a mistake, young attorneys. I, I think it's, um, I think it's a big deal to, um, to, to find a mentor, maybe even a couple of different mentors, um, and allow them to help you, right? They should have, right. uh, they should have. I mean, really, it's a, uh, you know. Every defense firm, you really should have, whether it be quarterly or monthly or whatever, it's a uh, kind of an open, whether it be an hour or something, is have the young attorneys, let them vent, let them, you know, do some problem solving, let them know what your headaches are, the pain points and stuff and how to get through them. And I think that's how you're going to become a better attorney, uh, you know, and, 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 and faster. So I think it's an important uh, topic. Um, let's wrap this up with kind of, Okay, you kind of told us where you've been and how you, you know, but it sounds like you're in a little bit of a transition. Kind of tell me what is what is what is Cody's plan for 2024, and uh, what what do you want to accomplish, um, um, you know, from a professional standpoint? Yeah, so I'll uh, I'll be joining um, a local civil defense attorney in South Lake. It's about 15, 20 minutes from the DFW airport, um, nice. depending on which terminal you're going to. Um, but his name's Jeff Wolf. He's been practicing a very long time, but, um, you know, I sent a resume and they reached out, showed me the firm and everything. I was really impressed, uh, with the firm. So I'll be starting with them next week. Um, working well, primarily. Well, well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, um, I'll be working primarily on catastrophic injury cases, but, um, you know, Jeff works on all, all sorts of things. Yeah. Is there a certain, um, whether it be transportation or construction or product liability, is there 
more of uh, an area that you think you want to focus in, or is this going to be kind of more more broad? Just catastrophic injury really doesn't matter what the what 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 industry it's in. Yeah, it sounds like he's he's got a wide array of cases that he he wants me to work on. Um, and and honestly, I'm I'm open and adaptable to whatever he wants to throw my way up. Uh, I work I've worked on a lot of trucking cases in the past yeah. just because of my background as a police officer and investigator, and you know I've worked commercial. Um, accidents as a police officer so there aren't many attorneys who can say they've actually been on scene where a yeah a, a semi-truck accident has happened um so uh, um that and construction uh, pre-litigation investigations at construction sites and things like that I, I did a lot of that uh, a lot of work on that stuff well well outstanding well um cody it was great to have you on the show uh i think your background is 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 really incredible i think a lot of people uh, can learn uh, from uh, from you. Um, again, the the combination of being a police officer, um, also having experience uh, as a criminal uh, attorney, getting all that courtroom work, I, I really think um, that's going to help you going forward. I think it has helped you. And um, thank you for sharing uh, that. Um, that with us what what is the what is the best way uh if any of anybody in our audience whether it be client or another defense attorney or whoever wants to reach out for you have questions uh or wants to throw a case your way because uh something happened in the fourth Worth dallas area what's the best way to get a hold of you uh, i mean anybody can reach me on linkedin or um linkedin's the uh, best? My, uh, they can reach me at my personal email it's uh cody.gamora at gmail.com it's C-O-D-Y dot G-O-M-O-R-A at gmail.com. Outstanding. Cody Gamora, thank you so much uh, for being on the show. I think this was a great conversation, particularly the the generational stuff, the mentorship stuff, uh, very big into personal growth, professional growth. Um, so thank you for talking about that. And to our audience, I uh, need a really, really strong 2024 uh, we are going to keep bringing you material every Monday morning here in the litigation psychology uh, podcast. So thank you so much for participating and we will see you next time.